Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. just off the turnpike, over the hill. Where are all the timeless towns and the lost roads? What have you got against progress? What's the matter with shopping centers and housing projects and uh, electronic factories? Just a thought, forget it. That thought you had. Who says we have to stay glued to the turnpike? Who says we have to be in Philadelphia by X hour? What happens if we twist the wheel at the next turnoff? To the right, Pesta, and the unknown. Straight ahead, Philly. I'm with you. Right. Hester, ready or not, here we come. Suppose we could have driven right through Hester and not known it. Hester, baby, where'd you get to? We got enough for three or four miles if we catch all the prevailing trade winds. You better check our map and see where little old Hester went to. Relax. Should be just around the next bend. Sorry about this morning, Todd. Can I help it if I got a lousy navigator for a buddy? Come on, let's find that garage that isn't open. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really Hi, like. Hi, this is Bob Varsha. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Running your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see my smiling face here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Dot com, the archive page. Good evening, Tommy. Good evening, Robert. How you doing? Um, just great. You know how to drive a radio station? <laughs> anyway, uh, well, take the fifth. Take the fifth. Okay, we'll just put it in gear. Let the clutch out slowly. You know, um, this your le- your far left foot. Then the right foot. That's the one. Just gas it. A friend of mine's got, I think his license. To the floor. Yeah, to the floor. To the floor. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine, I think his license plate is gassing it. Gas on it. Gassing it. Something like that. So basically, you know, floor it. When I think back on some of the the um, specialty plates that I had back in the day, let's see, on the back of my 930, it was Epitome, because at the time, you know, that was the Epitome of cars, you know, turbo Porsche, all that kind of cool stuff. That was back in the 70s, 80s, 70s, somewhere around there. I don't know. Then I had... Uh, 79 Ford Bronco, and my license plate said Fool and O. And then so where the O was on the end, it was dash O or space O. I had circles or arrows drawn around it, which I actually defaced the license plate. But anyway, and it it was uh, fooling around. And uh, uh, what was one of the license plate frames? I'm trying to think some of those. Happiness is drag racing. Um, ski, because I used to being the skiing back in the day uh four-wheel drive truck i do it on all fours um let's see what else there used to be some pretty pretty cool license plate actually even though i didn't have a mopar well i did but not for very long i did challenger or something like that but anyway in the back of it i think i had a direct connection obviously all the mustangs either 65 66 67 68 69 70 hertz ran a racer Let's see, what else? Oh, I don't know. Um, but there used to be some pretty good ones back in the day. And uh, so everyone, and they're collectible. So if you see um, vintage, you know, um, license plate frames out there, particularly 70s stuff, you know, um, they're, uh, and they reproduce a lot of stuff today, but you can find the original ones. Um, collect those. They're kind of cool. You know, that's good garage wall art. You know, same thing with certain license plates. You know, vintage license plates are still in the style. You know the old saying, it's just as easy to make money as it is to lose money. So if you're going to sit there and clutter up your garage, you might as well clutter it up with something that's got some value. Because when they have to step over your body, which, you know, we always joke about that. They're going to, my wife's going to kick my body out of the way and step over it. Or more than likely in her case, she'll step on it. She'll stomp it. Anyway, uh, and then uh, reach over and put everything in a box and have a garage sale. Then I would be certainly spinning in my grave. So, you know, it's like you've heard these stories about these guys that uh, collect all the stuff. And they always tell their wife, no, nah, I didn't pay nothing for it. I got it in a trade. Uh, you know, somebody gave Little did anybody realize they probably paid premium dollar for it. And then uh, so everybody thinks it's really not worth nothing, you know, for the most part, unless you do your homework. And uh, so then uh, the family sells it cheap. Um, guy down in St. Pete one time. The family inherited a uh, a Jaguar E-Type Roadster, and uh, I got the call, a call on it, but I was tied up doing something. I didn't call for a couple hours, usually, you know, which goes to show you, call right away. You don't have to seize the moment, you know, and uh, I didn't call, and these people had inherited this, jag- this house, 
and this old car was in in the back under a kind of like a makeshift lean-to. Wow, what a windfall that was. Um, so they got, now he inherited, he got a Porsche that way, an old 57 Porsche. I tried to buy for years, never got it, and he ultimately ended up selling it to some guy out west. And then here recently, a friend of mine, I may have even mentioned it, he, he, uh, a one-owner 65 Mustang bought new at Bill Curry Ford. Um, pretty cool piece. And uh, I tried to buy that off him. And all he did is wash it, and it sparkled. I actually got an old car like that one time. I got a, well, one of many, but I picked up a 65 Mustang. Some guy, One of my customers came in and said something about an old Mustang sitting down off 82nd Avenue in Pinellas Park. And it had a for sale sign on it. And uh, it turned out to be a, a very rare Mustang. Um, it was a plain Jane, pastel blue, 65 coupe. So if you drove by it, it just looked like a 65 coupe. Nobody paid any attention to it. But this guy was kind of into Mustang, so he stopped and looked. And the owner just shoved it out there and put a for sale sign on it. And uh, so this guy went by and looked at it, and he was astonished. He was actually on his way to my shop. He told me about it, but because his daughter uh, had recently got pregnant, and she was a minor, he couldn't buy the car because he was too busy rearranging his garage to make another bedroom for his daughter and her new offspring. And, uh, and there was no father to be found. But nonetheless, so he told me about the Mustang, and he said it was a rare Mustang, coupe. So it didn't take me too long to figure that out. And I was in my car in that neighborhood because I knew right where it was. I actually knew the guy that owned it. He was a Chevrolet guy. Oh, Bob was his name, too, believe it or not. Bob the Chevrolet guy. And uh, I said, what do you want for the car? And he threw a figure at me, and I, said, and I offered him less. And he goes, no, that's the figure, which still was a reasonable deal on the car at the time. And I go, well, why are you getting rid of it? He says, I forget what was wrong with it. Something, it didn't start, it didn't do something. He's a Chevrolet guy, so, you know, he didn't really have much use for a Ford, which that particular day was a good thing. Uh, I'm a Ford guy. I don't have much use for a Chevrolet. Um, but I still like certain Chevrolets. I like second-gen Camaros real well. Uh, a friend of mine, Kenny, he's listening right now. He's got a nice 73 Z28. I've had a 74 Z28 and a 78 Z28, both four-speed cars. Kind of on the hunt for a 70 and a half four-speed car, split bumper, rally sport front end. But one of these days I'll find one when they're affordable again. But nonetheless, so me and Bob kind of came to terms on this car, came with a box of, small box of NOS, or not NOS, but reproduction parts. But the car turned out to be a 1965 Mustang, two-owner car, bought new at St. Pete, I believe, or could have came from Tampa, I'm not sure, but it was locally, locally owned, and it was a factory 289 four-barrel, four-speed, hypo car, extremely rare, plain Jane, and what really made the car unusual was the fact it was a bench seat car. So it's a bench seat, four-speed, 65, 289 hypo car. And uh, that was a real interesting find. And it was filthy, like it had been sitting under 20 million oak trees for 20 million years. So I really didn't know what I was getting into. But I knew that the driveline had some value to it, and the car had some value to it. So I figured if worse comes to worse, I would jerk the motor out of it, keep that hanging around for a while, and then go ahead and, uh, you know, 
stick something else in the car and sell it as a running driving car and try to get some of my money back. But when I took some soap and water to it, when they used the term a diamond in the rough, it literally was a diamond in the rough. It was a very, very pretty car. Now, I'm not a fan of pastel blue, but if you've ever looked at my Facebook page, I actually have a pastel blue 73 Pinto station wagon, factory four-speed car, had maybe a few owners, and I dragged that back from Arizona back in, I don't know, 2002, 2003. What is that, like a light blue? Yeah, light blue, pastel blue, kind of like a... So, anyway, so we cleaned that car up, my son and I, and we were astonished. And it just so happened that weekend there was a car show downtown Clearwater, and we drove that car to the car show. And here's all these nice muscle cars and all this stuff. Here's this very, very simple, plain Jane, hubcap Mustang. But basically, it's a, it was a wolf in sheep's closing. It was a real, real live 289 hypo car, 271 horse, solid lifter motor, four barrel, four speed, nine inch rear end. Uh, I don't remember if it had disc brakes on the front or not. Um, that was a GT option. May not have had that, but but the fact that it was a here's this car, and it was like really really nice. I mean, you open and close the door, and it was just like they'd never been off the car. I still to this day can't figure out whether it was repainted or not because it kind of looked like it but i couldn't really see any obvious signs so whoever painted it did a really really good job although bob did tell me that he thought it was painted at one point in time so here's this car sitting this is just as it goes to show you so here's this beautiful little stock plain jane straight as an arrow 65 mustang 29 hypo car with hubcaps not one person at that car show in downtown clearwater gave that car a second look not one person so we were, my son and I were sitting off to the side. Trisha, my wife, was there too. Bobby was just a youngin' back then. And we were, I just said, wow, which just goes to show you, you know, I mean, a Mustang is a great car. People love them, or people don't, but they're kind of common. So they don't really jump out at you. And a pastel blue notchback, they, I mean, it literally had a 289 Hypo emblem on the front fenders, and nobody even caught that. Now, I suppose if I'd have GT'd it up a little bit, you know, it would have been a little, had a little more poor pizzazz, but it was a sleeper. So what I'm looking for now, and I'm going to put a plea out there, is I need a set of 64 Galaxy. So anything that'll fit it, because they had a small bolt pattern, and they had a small dish wheel. Um, Ford had three versions of it. They had a four-lug version of it on Falcons and Econolines. They had a five-lug version, Galaxies and Fords, and then they had a truck version of it. But it's the Ford one-year-only 64 Galaxy hubcaps, little beanies. And very rare 64-and-a-half plain-jane cars. And growing up in Northern California, I, there was a few dealerships. And I had seen those, not that they were really common. Once in a while, for some reason, they showed up on a Mustang. But if I'm going to make this thing really, really plain and unassuming looking, I would be looking for those hubcaps. By the way, I still have the car. Uh, and that's been 30, 20, 25, 30 years now, something like that. I don't know. So I need to get it running. Which just goes to show you, you need to see. I like survivor cars. I like original, unrestored, molested cars. This is probably a nicer car. And then sadly, it was sitting next to it. Sadly, it was sitting next to a shelf of parts that I had. I bumped the shelf. And the bumper to my 79 Ford Bronco was sitting up there, and it rolled off the shelf and hammered the side of the fender. I would like, and ripped the car cover. And I thought, right there, my wife was standing there, and Bobby was standing there, and I was standing there. And I was the only one that cried. I just couldn't understand that. I thought they would all cry too, but nobody cried, just me. As I picked up what was left of my car cover and stared at that big dent in the side, 
fortunately, it's only a dent, so it is fixable. And fortunately, it's only pastel blue, so that's fixable too. So you can blend that paint pretty easy. Nonetheless, I think it's time to go to a turn uh, uh, break. And the reason I talked about this a little bit is because I played a little theme of Route 66 because, you know, just kind of a nostalgia thing. And they were in the Corvette and they were traveling around the country. And one of the things that I want to do is grab my wife and son or just me and my, my kid, Bobby. And I want to travel the country, and I'd like to do it in a Mustang. I think that would be a lot of fun. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars on Touch That Dial. Here's a little, uh, speaking of Route 66, here's a little Nelson Riddle. He did the original theme song to, to uh, Route 66. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars on Touch That Dial. I'll be right back. Enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. What's coming up this week? Next week, Amelia Ireland. I live for this show. It is, without a doubt, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I mean, I love cars. I love going to local car shows. I like hanging around, jaw-jacking with everybody. But I tell you what, what really floats my boat is these really cool, exotic, high-end concourse shows and amelia island is by far the best it is the show you have to do it it's next weekend at amelia island and uh which is north of jacksonville almost to georgia and uh that's cool this weekend what i'm going to do is i'm going up to the villages car show in the villages which is up there just northeast of uh what is that northeast of uh leesburg in that area off 27 lady mary lake mary lake mary lady mary something like that anyway and that's a pretty cool car show i like that it starts late in the afternoon four o'clock so you get a lot of stuff to do during the daytime there's a truck show i'm going to go to for the vintage truck club and uh for florida i'm going to do that on saturday afternoon then right after that we're going to kind of cruise the woods now let me tell you about woods was uh well actually we need to get our guests on here in a few minutes but i'll tell you what i love going into junkyards and i really need to post some of this stuff but the other day i was in this junkyard 
There was a bunch of old stuff in there. So the guy says, yeah, we got some stuff up back. There might be an old MG. might have an interest in that. So I went out there. Sure enough, 70 split bumper bump MG Roadster laying out there. Right beside it was a Fiat 850 Spider, just sitting there in the woods, covered with, you know, stuff that might attack you. Um, a Datsun 240Z, or maybe 260, one of those things. And then on the other side of it was a really, really unusual car that I would not in a million years expect to find in a junkyard here in the state of Florida or anywhere else in the United States of America. But there was a 67, 68, 69, somewhere in that vintage, NSU 1200. Prince, 1200. So, Google NSU. Um, there was a guy by the name of uh, F- uh, F- Friedrich Friedel Munch, and he took NSU four-cylinder engines, which produce anywhere between 40 and 80 horsepower, and stuck them on motorcycles. So, back in the late, se- late 60s, early 70s, he had the actual fastest motorcycle on the road. Production bike. It was a production bike. He used to work for Horex, which made German motorcycles back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Really cool stuff. So, Interesting stuff. But anyway, you got to go to Amelia Island because this is how you get educated in all this really cool, unusual stuff. Whether it's exotics, whether it's brass era cars, whether it's custom cars, whether it's race cars. Bill Warner does an amazing job. Amelia Island is by far the best show on earth. So on that note, I think we're going to fire up the stereo. We're going to get Bill Warner on our show because we do this every year. Bill is a cool guy. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgia Radio Cars. Here's a little Herbie Hancock. We're doing a little jazz today for Bill. Don't touch it now. We'll be right back. Porsche's new 911 Carrera. Did he design the engine? The radical suspension? No. Instead, Reinhold and his co-workers have perhaps the best job in the world. They test drive every new 911. On the Autobahn. If Reinhold likes your car, we're pretty sure you'll like your car. Two Porsche 911s roll off our German production line alike in almost every way. One is destined for the 24-hour race at Le Mans. The other, for a quieter life in America. But expecting a Porsche to lead a quiet life... Thank you, sir. ...may be asking a bit too much. What's wrong? You know those guys who took our car? Yeah. (laughs) Never mind. 
So how much does Le Mans have to do with your everyday driving in a 911? Well, as much or as little as you want. Hi. Porsche. There is no substitute. Ah, uh, no, this one's on us, sir. Right. <laughs> Hi, this is Jochen Mass, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Wunderbar. Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Time to introduce our special guests for the evening. Gentlemen, has been on our show. He's an alumni. He's a good friend. He's also the founder and the CEO of the greatest car show on the planet, the Amelia Island Concourse. Now, in its 26th year, I'm delighted to welcome to the show, Bill Warner. Bill, how you doing, bud? Hey, Robert. Thank you for the great build-up. $20 goes a long way, I tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so I played the Porsche commercials because I know you're like me, an air-cooled Porsche fan. I've owned one 50 years. 50 years. I'm the worst customer. I buy a car, you know, and 50 years later, I still got it. Yes. Well, yeah, that's uh, because they're great cars, and they will last 50 to 100, right? Yeah. Car has never been apart. It's beautiful, solid as a rock. Did you buy it at Brumos? Uh, no, I bought it for North Lake Porsche Audi in Atlanta because a friend of mine uh, owned the dealership at the time, and he gave me a pretty good deal. Nine Eleven T, seventy nine hundred dollars new. Wow. What color is your car? All white. All white. Uh, houndstooth interior. I've, I've bumped the engine from a two two to a two seven. Oh, okay. Weber's. And it's putting out about 200 horsepower, maybe a little bit more. And uh, uh, added the uh, 911 ST wheels from Peter Gregg's old 2.5 car and a deck lid from George Drolson's old Carrera. It's, it's, it's a hot rod, but, you know, I don't care. I like it. Well, here's the deal. I appraise cars from, for a living, and this is one thing, a debate that I've had with guys like Dave Kenny, guys like... Uh, um, Oh, I think of guys on Jay Leno show all the time. Uh, oh, Donald Osborne. Donald, yeah. And I say, this is my position. Tell me what you think. If a car has correct period modifications done back in the day, and they were done tastefully, they're perfectly acceptable, and in many cases, add value to the vehicle. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a purist who uh, has to say a certain a car's got to be a certain way, whether it's right or wrong, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, then there's, uh, it's my car. I drive it. I don't care what anybody else thinks. You know, if they, if uh, I don't mean to be arrogant about it, but if they don't like it, that's okay. It doesn't bother me. Huh? I got the deck lid from the George uh, Drolsom car. I got the uh, wheels from Peter Gregg's 2.5 car. Uh, back in those days, they used a, a Delrin clutch connector, which would always break. So I got the metal one off of Peter Gregg's car, so it's all dependable. And built it to a 2.7. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it is the old uh, 901 gearbox where first gear is off to the left. Oh, yeah, down bottom. Off yeah. The line and spend 30 seconds finding second gear. <laughs> Speaking of which, now, okay, so you're, are you originally from the Jacksonville area? Yeah, yeah. People ask me if I've grown up in Jacksonville. I said, no, not yet. Not yet. Okay, you have the, the grown up part. Is, yeah. is right. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so let's talk about this car now. You mentioned Peter Gregg. Now, I, yeah. you have a book that's coming out. I just got the copy today. I got a case of them today. Uh, we'll have them at the Concours on uh, the rest of them. Are supposed to come in on the fourteenth. 
Okay. Now there's going to be a seminar, special. I just got the news thing and I signed up for yeah. it between with you and and Miles Collier on his books. But tell us about your book. And it's is it if the title's if I remember correctly, it's the other side of the fence. Is that it? Yes. When uh, I was uh, 16 years old, my or 15 years old, my. My mom and dad gave me a Yashica D camera, and at the time, my sister was a uh, a very accomplished portrait photographer, and uh, she she said I should use a roll film camera, not a thirty five millimeter. So I had this roll film camera, and she said, "You know what? That's going to get you." And I said, "I have no idea." She says, "On the other side of the fence," meaning if you had a press credential, you'd be on the other side of the fence. So that's where the title comes from. Oh, and okay. It's uh, 60 years of motorsports photography. I started at Donellan, Florida, in 1959 at a um, SECA club race, and I got bitten by the bug. I smelled the uh, the aroma of uh, castor bean oil and heard a Ferrari V12 for the first time. And I said, "Boy, that's me." Would well, you just say Dunellan? Dunellan. Well, that's Marion County. That's almost Citrus County. Yeah, just east of, uh, or just west of uh, Ocala. They had an old airport circuit there. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Now, was that a military base? It was an emergency military base, I think, during World War II. Okay. And that uh, they marked the course with peach baskets. So as, as the weekend went through and drivers moved the peach baskets further and further out, the lap times got better and better. Interesting. Well, now, let me ask you this, because this is uh, uh, Ken, um, I can't think of his name right now, the guy with Sebring that just retired, that was the historian. Ken Breslauer. Yes. Uh, Ken's been, Breslauer, right. Ken's been on my show a number of times. Now, he's written a couple books about Florida, you know, um, like, uh, I think it's like to do with, uh, like, old uh, highway, uh, roadway signs and and artifacts and stuff like that. Okay. So, we talked about this a little bit, but he's really, he couldn't really answer about all the former and ex-racing circuits in the state of Florida. And apparently there was a lot of them. So since you were taking photography or doing pictures or doing photography of racing deals, racetracks and racing events in the 60s, how many were there in Florida and how many did you attend? Well, there was, uh, well, Donnellan was the first one I went to in 1959. Okay. Then I went to Daytona Speedway. Uh, Racetracks were Amelia Island on the airport, Uh, Venice, um, Venice had one? Eola, which was near Orlando. Most of them were old World War II circuits like Sebring. Uh, but they were kind of all over the state. Every little town had a, a sports car race on the uh, old airports. Interesting. Now, Colonel LeMay is predominantly or primarily responsible for the, the 12-hour race, the Sebring race. Did well, you? He, no, he, he wasn't, but he uh, was. Uh, you you demoted him. He oh, I'm sorry. Star General Kurt oh. LeMay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I spoke with him uh, for quite uh, a, a bit of time before he died, but uh, he raced in Allard, and he would race in Tampa. He would race on McDill Airfield, and the money went to the uh, uh, Widows and Orphans Fund of the Air Force. Oh. And and he would he would uh, schedule ba- uh, races at stack. Sack bases. Okay. And uh, uh, the interesting thing about that was that he was doing good, but just like everything political, some senator got his nose bent out of shape and slapped his hand for for doing this. Now they were raising funds for the widows and orphans, and this senator says, "Ah, you shouldn't be racing on circuits," and put a stop to it. 
Uh, I don't think government has changed since then. They're still full of jerks. <laughs> yeah, especially this bunch we got today. This is like oh, really, really man, bad. Don't get me started. I'll get on my soapbox. Many of your listeners may cancel out, but I'm a very conservative. By the way, yes, I have to say that our governor is fabulous. Yes, DeSantis. I hope he stays governor. I hope he doesn't run for president because I'll Kavanaugh him if I if I have my way. Now half the listeners have just turned off the radio, but that's okay. No, I, I'm worried. You're 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 preaching to the choir right here. We're all you know. I moved up to Citrus County, and we're all Trumpsters up there. So you know, we're conservative, gun carrying kind of Americans. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sad what's happening to our country. I mean, we're talking about cars now, so we'll get away from it. But I I quit watching the news. I get depressed terribly. Mm-hmm. I too am a conservative Republican, and, and I'm a conservative. I mean, I, I went to a military college. I served thirty years in the Air Force. That's just me. There you go. Thank you for your service. Thank you. All right, so let's talk about cars now. All right, so the racetracks that are around here. So, all right, so tell us how instrumental was, is it General LeMay or Colonel? Did I have General it right? General LeMay, four-star general. Four-star, okay, General LeMay. He was the SAC commander, and he loved cars. In fact, uh, I think you'd probably go to jail today because he flew engines over for a uh, Cunningham to Le Mans one time on a sack plane. He just scheduled a sack flight and put the motors on it. Oh, really? It would probably get you in jail today, but he loved racing, and so he thought this was a good opportunity to raise funds for the widows and orphans of, of airmen that were killed in the service. So he scheduled races at sack bases. Okay. And McDill was one of them. McDill was very famous. And he got his wrist slapped by some goofy senator who had nothing better to do than harass the general. And, you know, the general has to uh, answer to the uh, uh, the, the uh, Senate on something like that, so it, it all ended. Well, now, how long was he involved in it? Oh, I'd say three or four years, okay. I'd guess, yeah. Just long enough to get it going on its own, so he basically propelled it to what it is today. If it wasn't for General Curtis LeMay, we wouldn't have sports car racing today. I don't, oh, we'd have it, but it, it would be a, a different sort of animal. Uh, now there's uh, dedicated race circuits. They're not using airports, with the exception of Sebring, still uses part of the air terminal and air, air airport. You know. So what? What gives? What? Yeah. Why is the Sebring? Now let me think. Jump for jump around a little bit. Yeah. Remember when they used to have the races up at Marlboro? Wasn't Marlboro on a sack base as well? I don't think so. No, that was just okay. Albany was. Um, I'm trying to think of the other racetracks that uh, Curtis LeMay did on, but it was mostly sack bases. Okay, and it was in this part of the country, or was it all over the country? All over the country. All over the country, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Speaking of which, you mentioned uh, Cunningham. Uh, is that Corvette going to be auctioned off at uh, Amelia at the uh, the lost Corvette, Cunningham the third? It will be. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you a little story about that car. There was a judge here in town by the name yeah. of Judge Carr. And I knew Judge Carr really well because he was in old cars, you know, Coincidentally, his name is C-A-R-R. So Judge Carr came up to my shop all the time. Well, he was in the really weird stuff, okay? At one point, he was a criminal attorney, okay? And then he became judge. Everybody knew him around here because he was a car guy. He would come into my wrecking yard all the time, and we would jaw jack. Well, he invited me down to his building, which was down there in St. Pete behind the police station. And in that building was this car. That car sat there for years and years and years through the 70s and 80s and 90s and whenever. And I used to sit in that car, and he was telling me that that car was a custom car, blah, blah, blah. He never mentioned it was a race car. 
And I just said, man, whoever customized this thing did a terrible, terrible job. But he also had a green 7911 in there with a sunroof, which I chased for years. Izetta's miscellaneous German motorcycles, all kinds of weird stuff. He liked German cars, but he also had Corvairs and other weird stuff, Lincolns and stuff like that. So I was talking to uh, Bruce Meyer about the car one time after the car got found, after the controversy, because when, when Judge Carr passed away, they had an auction down there. Well, I went down there and I was trying to buy that car and a couple other cars. And we went and looked at it, but they said the car was already sold. So the car was like outside of the auction. And then after that, I never saw the car because it was in another Chip warehouse. Pardon me? Chip Miller bought it. Chip Miller. Is that uh, with um, Carlisle Park? Carlisle Park. Okay. Carlisle Events. Yeah. Okay. But there was a big controversy over that car. And so I'm just curious why Miller, who's really, so he's actually, he's the consigner then selling the car? No, he died. Oh. So he gave the car to Kevin McKay. And then there was a lawsuit. I can't go into it. Okay, no, no, that's fine. That's, but, but it involved an individual who uh, is questionable in his credentials, shall we say. Okay. But he had the VIN number. I gotcha. So, um, well, at any rate, it's a very unusual car. It's got a very interesting history to it, and it is the missing car, which is a cool story in itself. Well, you wonder how many parts are the original, you know? Uh, I don't know, and I'm not going to guess. They seem to think it'll bring about a million and a half dollars, which, if it is a Le Mans car, that's probably a bargain because it'll cost, you know, six, seven hundred thousand dollars to restore it properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't even want to get into it. It's, nope. uh, it's so convoluted. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Amelia Island. This is the 26th yeah. year, right? And. Yeah. And what are some of the the special classes you've got in store for uh, everybody this year? Well, we've got um, 275 GTBs with two of the three specialities. Uh, one was the Le Mans winner, which is uh, belonged to Preston Hinn, now belongs to Bonnie Hinn. Um, we've got uh, shadows. We've got all the shadows from the skateboard up to the Formula One car. Oh, wow. Let's uh, see. we got... Chevy Thunder with everything from the 1955 Herb Thomas Chevy on up to the current uh, Le Mans C8R with with Grumpy's Toy, which is the uh, started life as a Penske car was acid dipped too much. They were trash it, and uh, Grumpy said, "I can make a drag car out of that." So it started life as a Penske car. Oh no, kidding! And uh, the Brian Redmond's Lola T330, which won three Formula 5000 championships, and Denny Holmes. McLaren M8F and Dale Earnhardt's uh, uh, Monte Carlo. It's going to be a really great display. And then we got a seminar with uh, Herb Fischel, who headed up General Motors Racing with Eric Warren, Dr. Eric Warren, who now heads up General Motors NASCAR Racing. And uh, let's see, who else we got? We got Brian Redman. We got Dale Earnhardt Jr. on Friday. Oh, wow. Um, it's going to be really cool. Then. We got Porsche 935. We got, I think, 13 935s on the field, including the Le Mans winner and uh, the uh, 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 Moby Dick, which was the, the big long tail yep, 935. Yep. And then a seminar. The big problem we have, once again, is COVID. Uh. Um, the hotel says, okay, you can only have X amount of people in the ballroom where we'd normally have. For a seminar, 800 to 1,000 people. Yes. To 440. And um, it's just it's just the way it is nowadays. I mean, COVID has redefined everything. And we have to, we have 
I, I really think we have uh, three rules we have to comply with. There's the state of Florida. There's the county of Nassau. Actually, we have four. We've got the city of Fernandina. And we've got uh, the Marriott Corporation, which is the primary stockholder in the Ritz-Carlton. So, uh, you know, the state of Florida and Nassau County and Fernandina are mask-free outdoors. Uh, the Ritz-Carlton requires masks in the common area and limits us to how many people we can have in a ballroom. So, you know, it's it's going to be a little different this year, but better to have a show than not have one. Absolutely. Okay, so does that mean Sunday, the day of the concourse, we don't have to wear masks? We're going to recommend that, but there's no way of enforcing it. Okay. Now, what are you going to do, get the sheriff to drag people off the course? No, we're not going to do that. Okay. Uh, if you go to, we went, we've been to the... Uh, Gator Nationals, the uh, Players Championship, Disney, uh, Daytona 24-hour, and we've we patterned our. Uh, if we had to say one person, we patterned our rules and regulations from its Disney Corporation, which I understand now on the 16th is going to reduce the uh, uh, social distancing to uh, three feet from six feet. And to be honest with you, there's not many, too many people I want to be closer than three feet. To. <laughs> Catherine Deneuve or... Okay, yeah, the Camay lady, right. Being within three feet of her, but uh, I don't think I want to be within three feet of anybody else. Okay. Well, now, okay, so basically if I walk around inside the hotel lobby, I've got to be, uh, I'm, uh, i got to look like yeah, a bandito? In the common areas of the hotel. In the common areas yeah, of the hotel. For a dinner or lunch or something, then, then all bets are off on that. But we have to go by the rules of the Marriott Group okay. in the hotel. Now, how's it going to work with the seminars? Because some of them are going to be outside, right? We carry in and sit down. What we've done was we're not having theater seating like we did in the past because they're afraid people will move the chairs around. Right. So we're going to have tables of eight set up, uh, totaling 440 people. And there's no, uh, there's no give, and, give and take on that. It's 440, and that's it, because that's the rules. Okay. You can't do anything about it. It's not our decision. All right, so all right, so let's talk about some of the other specialty cars you're going to have there. So the Brassier cars will be there as usual, right? Yeah, and all electric. We got electric cars from 1895 to 1922. Oh, okay. And then uh, we've got all the manufacturers. Well, a good portion of them are going to show their new electric cars there. Cadillac will have the Lyric and the Humvee from General Motors and uh, Humvee EV. Mm-hmm. And we'll have uh, the Ford Mustang Mach-E. Okay. And uh, we'll have the uh, Mini and the Lucid and the Bollinger and uh, the Porsche Taycan. I think we got nine nine electric cars that are going to be on display that are new. Okay. And then, of course, we're honoring Lynn St. James, a right. woman, to win... Uh, rookie of the Year at Indianapolis, very uh, uh, capable driver who won uh, the GTO class at Watkins Glen single-handedly in a Mustang. We had Lynn on a couple, three weeks ago, so she's uh, looking forward to it, and obviously she yeah. says hello to everybody, so she's a sweetheart. She really is. She is, and then we've got uh, the presidents of General Motors, Mark Royce, and the president of Ford, Jim Farley, and their entourage are going to be there. So. Oh, really? It's going to be good. Okay. All right. Good. And, and we're we're ready to roll. I mean, we're Florida. Let's, let's let's do it. Let's get it out of the way. People are ready to go somewhere and do something, and I don't blame them. I am too. Uh, are you going to do the driving tour too? That's on, still on, right? Like yeah. you've traditionally yeah. done. Okay. The, uh, Porsche, uh, the uh, we got the Porsche driving experience, which is totally sold out. Mm-hmm. Where we. Uh, 
Well, he used to be on the Mayport Navy base, but uh, the new commander went wild about that. So <laughs> we, uh, we have friends at the Jacksonville International Airport said, hey, why don't you use our main runway? So they're giving us the main runway at Jackson International to do the Porsche driving experience. Oh, wow. And Hurley Haywood will be giving rides in the new GT3, and we've got the new uh, uh, Porsche Taycan. And then they'll tour the new of uh, the fabulous, fabulous Brumos collection. It is out of this world. It is probably one of the best. I call it a museum. It really is a museum. It's better than that. It's, it's just over the top. Now, that is, from what I understand, the Brumos collection has other cars besides Porsches, right? Oh, certainly. One wing of it is the Porsche stuff, the Brumos Porsche stuff. The other side of it, uh, they, uh, Mr. Davis has one of the finest collections of Miller race cars in the world, Indy cars, A.J. Foyt's uh, uh, mid, uh, sprint car. He's got, he's got an Alpha 2900, a, a fabulous unrestored Murphy Duesenberg. Uh, Roadster, it's just a killer. It it looks restored, but it isn't. It's brand new. I mean, it's untouched. And he's got the uh, Dolores Del Rio L29 Cord limousine and uh, the replica of the Golden Submarine. And and Like I say, he's got seven Millers, including Samson, which is a twin eight-cylinder car. If anybody hadn't been to the Brumos collection, they should go. It is over-the-top. It is probably, I'd have to say, in the United States, it's one of the top three collections in, in, the, in the United States and probably in the top five or ten in the world. Wow. That's, uh, that's impressive. Now, where is that Every relationship? It has its own tablet. You can hear what it sounds like. You can see pictures of it when it was new. They're going to have directed sound. So if you're standing there and you turn on the... Uh, uh, the, the sound, you can hear what the car sounded like. They've got a, a Peugeot Indy car. There's 1914 Indy. It's the very first double overhead cam four-valve cylinder uh, car, race car. And it is just over the top. Are they still expanding that collection? I Well, they have about 75 cars, about 35 of which are on display. Okay. So they rotate it around. Okay. So it's it almost rivals the Revs Institute? I'd say so. Wow. Because they've got some pretty impressive... Now, the Rams Institute has some fabulous Bentleys. Yes. they got some fabulous 917 Porsches. They've got uh, Bobby Unser's Jurgensen Eagle. I mean, they're both... We're so blessed to have these both collections in Florida. I mean, they're just terrific. Where is the, uh, the museum located in reference to the old Brumos uh, dealership? If you go to uh, it's find on, uh, is it on Atlantic Mayo Clinic off of Butler Boulevard. Yeah. If you go east on Butler Boulevard and you get off to go to Mayo Clinic, Mayo Clinic's to the left, the Brumos collections to the right. Okay. Maybe four hundred yards down the road. Okay. All right. So some of, what is what are the, some of the other things uh, other other unique cars that will be there at the uh, at Amelia Island this year? Well, I always like to do a goofy class. Oh yeah, that's it, the goofy class. People who don't care about cars, right? So we're doing a class called Weird and Wonderful, and Jeff Lane from Nashville, Tennessee, is bringing a car, a full size rendition of the Monopoly piece, you know, the little race car on the Monopoly thing. Really? We've got a car called the Extraterrestrial, which is. It looks like some sort of a uh, 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 cancerous slug, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really is cool. 
And then we've got uh, Wayne Carini's bringing a Corvair concept car that looks like the uh, car called the Brubaker Box. It looks more like a van than a Corvair. And we've got the Fascination, which looks like a hood ornament on a 53 Oldsmobile. You know, I love to do a goofy class because I know there's people that come to the show who are being drugged there by their husband or wife, and they really don't care about cars. So you got to give them something that entertains them. Yeah. And and that class. And then we got Porsche 935. We got 13 Porsche 935s from a 934 and a half, which was the predecessor to the 935, all the way up to the uh, uh, Moby Dick and the Le Mans winning 935 of Bruce Myers. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, Bruce. Shadow. We got a whole class of Shadow cars from the very first skateboard up to the Formula One car. That's going to be cool, too. I was just in uh, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, a shop this afternoon. He's got the Whittington Brothers car. Is that going to be there? I forgot to ask him if he's going to be there. The Whittington Brothers, 935. The 79 car, the one to 179, Daytona, I think. I think so. That's going to be there? He had that thing restored. Somebody out in California, it absolutely looks stunning. And uh, and the 934, I, 935, i got to tell you, it was a pretty impressive car because all through the 70s and early 80s, I used to go to Daytona and Sebring all the time. And I'll tell you what I actually have. I have the right rear quarter off the Bob Aiken's Coca-Cola car. Yeah. Dave White used to... A couple of times, I drove with Bob Aiken in a couple of races. Then we raced against each other a couple of times. Really? Uh, he was a real, real gentleman. I mean, he was the epitome of 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 a of a gentleman race driver and a very good race driver. Uh we finished third at uh uh Nelson Ledges in a Jack Roush Mercury and he was just a tremendous to be with. Well you, when you say gentleman, you know what he had racing manners if there's such a thing you know what i mean it's kind of hard to explain but he was just you're right and he, and he was very articulate he used to down to sebring when he would occasionally speak in front of the porsche club down there and uh he was a super nice guy really was well he owned hudson wire mm-hmm. that, that you know that's where it made it possible for him to race but when he sold hudson wire uh he was he was a full-time race car driver and he got senselessly killed at road atlanta uh, with a driver will go nameless who who tapped him during the Thursday practice when there's no safety crews out there and the car went over the wall and burst into flames, broke his neck, burned him, and that was it. That's sad. It was sad. It was sad because uh, he and I had a lot of fun together. We we went to Le Mans together and he wrote a story about the vintage, uh, the first vintage event there, and I did the uh, the photos. We had a lot of fun together. He and his wife Ellen and. Young Bobby, his son, just terrific people. Well, Bill, we are just about up against the clock, but we got time for one quick story, a uh, photography story. So in yeah. back in your days, what was one of the cooler venues that you went to, one of the coolest races? Well, here? and I got a book coming out now that'll be at Amelia called The Other Side of the Fence. Right. And uh, uh, I would say I was at Daytona when Roger Pinsky drove for Brumos Porsche. And I've got some shots of, of uh, Roger with Brumos when he was 24 years old. And he was a, uh, he was a tremendous driver. And a lot of people forget that Roger Pinsky was a very, very good driver. And uh, that was one of the highlights. And then I've got some shots of the Rodriguez brothers. And I think about it, uh, they were about my same age, and there they were driving factory Ferraris. You know? <laughs> uh, the, the sad part is that, you know, 
I envied them for the fact that they were driving at age 14 and 16, right? Yep. And I said, golly, are they lucky? Well, they're both dead today. Well, wow. As a result of racing accidents. So I guess I shouldn't have envied them. Well, I'm still here. That's good. And, and you're doing a great job putting on one of the best automotive events in the world. So we thank you for that. And, Bill, I look forward to being there. I will see you next week. And I want to thank you again for spending some time here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Robert, it's my pleasure every year. And I look forward to seeing you next week. All right. You'll do, you can count on it. All right, Bill. Thank you very much. My good friend, right. founder and CEO of Amelia Island. I want everybody to be there next week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Robert. Bye. Bye. Hey, uh, to all my listeners out there, yes, that is the event. The Florida event, the United States event, it's the, the best event, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. So if you've never been to a concourse, you need to go there at least one time so you can talk about it and hear what we always brag about here on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And Bill is just a super guy, and you will truly, truly not be disappointed. It's a great event. In the meantime, I want to tell all my listeners, hey, you know, if you're up there in the villages this weekend, if you want to find out where all the car shows, check out FLACarshows.com. Don't forget to drive your cars, man. Have fun with them. Drive them. Beat them. Have fun with them. They don't have to be perfect. They just got to be fun. In the meantime, don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night at Tantalk Radio Radio Network, where you can listen to the most legendary and fascinating names, or fascinating legendary names of motorsports and music. Here, right here in the Stuff Radio Cars. Tell your friends. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.